gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. Please. Every week we proclaim all are welcome at God's table, or as Isaiah just proclaimed, my house shall be called a house for all people. We don't just say it, we believe it. We don't only believe it, we act upon it. At least, we try. And if we're honest, we'll acknowledge at least to ourselves, that this creates attention. It is one thing to proclaim inclusion. It is another thing to live it. Speaking only for myself, I know that my words, beliefs, and intentions can be in one place. My choices and actions do not always align. As you likely know, last I checked, Washington, D.C. was the fastest gentrifying city in the nation, and on pace with trends across the nation has a growing divide between the poorest and the wealthiest. And St. Columbus is in Ward 3 with the highest per capita income, the fewest units of affordable housing. Our mayor and city council have explicit goals to create affordable housing across the city and in every ward. Now, St. Columbus has long felt called to address these disparities in wealth and poverty through service, advocacy, addressing systemic injustice. We partnered with others to create Samaritan ministry across our diocese, to create Friendship Place to serve the unhoused in Northwest DC, through the Water Ministry, Refugee Response Team, Great Patrol, our partnership with Housing Up and with WIN, Washington Interfaith Network. In the last couple of years, we have a growing team working explicitly on affordable housing in Ward 3. It is God's table. All are welcome, but it's not a given as to how this plays out, because there are a lot of forces at work, competing values, competing desires in our city, our neighborhood, within our church, most importantly, within ourselves. Many of us have privilege of some choice, choice about where and with whom we live. I need to pause here and say that speaking about this is tricky because I'm not really interested this morning in triggering a bunch of liberal guilt or inviting us to feel ashamed about whatever privileges we may enjoy. But I do invite us to acknowledge and accept that we have within ourselves competing desires. 
I want us to acknowledge and accept that so that when we hear calls for justice, we can be better centered in our beliefs and be able to act with integrity. Today, Isaiah addresses the Hebrew people who have just returned to Jerusalem after generations of exile in Babylon. Now, for them, Jerusalem is home, it's temple, it's neighborhood. There's no distinction between these. And Isaiah calls upon them explicitly to welcome and include the foreigner and to focus on the needs of their neighbors, saying succinctly, maintain justice and do what is right. Maintain justice and do what is right. This is code. It's found in all the prophetic writings. It is code for a radical Torah obligation to live with a covenant of mutual care, to bind together the weak and the strong, the rich and the poor. And then, having issued this call fabulously, Isaiah couples the charge, couples this with a promise from God that God shall bring deliverance and salvation. And here what's fabulous about it is that the word deliverance is the same word, sedeka, rendered to do right, which is to say that the action is coming from both directions, if you will. It's both imperative and promise. As we do our part, God does God's part. Similarly, all summer, we've begun our worship with a similar pairing from Psalm 85. Mercy and truth have met. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. Just as the mist rises, the rain falls. It's a beautiful, compelling vision. You do right, I'll bring deliverance. We're in this together. We're called to conspire with God in bringing about a just society. Now, it may be stating the obvious, but this can sometimes get a little dicey. I live in this neighborhood, and I love it. We, we grow vegetables and some flowers in the backyard. We have a lovely maple out in the front. Well, recently a neighbor sought to rebuild his little backyard garage to create a workshop below with an apartment above. The project was large enough to require zoning variances. Well, a full-throated battle ensued among the neighbors. The variances were approved, but it was not a pretty process. There were similar battles a couple of years ago when building the family shelter down on Idaho Avenue or approving the changes and extending um, housing at the Lisner Homes up on Western Avenue. There are some other debates going on right now about constructing mixed-income housing over near the library at Chevy Chase Circle or up near the Wamata um, Depot on Wisconsin Avenue, just to name a couple. Importantly, these are not stories of bad guys versus good guys. These are stories of us living together 
with a complicated mixture of values and intentions. We want to do what is right and what is just. It just gets a little tricky when it's in my backyard. Well, knowing this to be true, how can I better resist that nimby, not-in-my-backyard impulse and instead cultivate and nourish what we might call a yigby impulse, yes, in God's backyard, to shift from no mine to yes, God. When these battles get underway, we don't always show up with our best selves. And we can just look at our gospel in a stunning, really quite distressing tale. Jesus himself is apparently trashing, denying to a woman because of her outsider status, calls her a dog. And we can find a gloss here and propose that it's a setup, that Jesus created this whole scene to make a point. But it reads at face value, woman, there is no grace for the likes of you. The woman takes it. Nevertheless, she persisted. And what? Changed Jesus' mind? Widened the circle? Maybe. Regardless, she called forth from him the healing she needed for her daughter. It would seem that as we conspire with God, to do right and bring about a just society. Most of the time, God needs to call us to task. But now and again, apparently, we've got to step up, or in her case, kneel down with some insistent prayers of our own. The call to inclusion and mutual care is at the very heart of the matter. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. At this moment here at St. Columbus, we don't have a decision or even a proposal to debate about how we will or will not include the foreigner in our neighborhood. So it is a question for us today, and I invite you to join me in wondering about this. How am I to be ready to say yes to the voice of inclusion? When I am torn between competing values, how will I find the courage? Is it courage? Or is it humility? Is it grace or clarity to favor justice and to do what is right? Poet and pastor Jan Richardson gave voice to the woman who persisted in a poem called Stubborn Blessing. Don't tell me no. I have seen you feed the thousands seen miracles spill from your hands like water, like wine, seen you with circles and circles of crowds pressed around you and not one soul turned away. Don't start with me. I am saying you can close the door, but I will keep knocking. You can go silent, but I will keep shouting. You can tighten the circle 
but I will trace a bigger one around you, around the life of my child, who will tell you no one surpasses a mother for stubbornness. I am saying I know what you can do with crumbs, and I am claiming mine. Every morsel and scrap you have up your sleeve, unclench your hand, your heart. Let the scraps fall like manna, like mercy, for the life of my child, the life of the world. Don't you tell me no. Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Amen.